Well, good morning. This is a little bit of a different setup, huh? As you can tell, we don't have a lot of instruments up here or, or a big band, and um, it's purposeful this morning. We want to we hear your voices. We want to hear the room uh, sing this morning. So I want to read this. This is Psalm 59, verse 17. It says, I will lift my voice to sing your praise, O my strength. Hear this. For you came to my defense. O God, you have shown me your loving mercy. So this morning, there's no holding back. We've got to sing together. So would you stand with us? And let's do just that. Ha! 
Can have a seat. I wish for a moment y'all could hear what you sound like being sung at. It sounds incredible hearing your voices. Um, our Sunday mornings are for unity and for edification, to, to encourage each other. And what I love about the Sunday mornings is that this is the time where our small groups that we meet throughout the week come together and meet together to realize that we're not alone and that we're together. And so hearing each other sing, uh, to me, that's one of the most unifying things that we can do. Uh, good morning. My name is David. I'm one of the uh, leaders here. And if you're new with us, we are so glad you're here. We're right in the middle of a mission and vision series. And uh, we couldn't be more excited to uh, show you what our mission and vision is here, uh, fellowship as a whole, but, uh, but specifically at fellowship. Um, Fayetteville. Um, I grabbed something back here. So if you, if you were here last week, you heard Michael talk about this. And the fall is a crazy time around here at Fellowship Fayetteville. There's a lot of things that are kicking off, a lot of things that are happening. And as you're walking out, I would encourage you to grab one of these sheets. 
Um, it has all the things that are going on with QR codes beside them um, to sign up for things. There's a couple that I want to bring your attention to. The first one is our women's ministry and our studies starting up. Um, women, hear me when I say this. We cannot accomplish our mission and vision without you. Our church is, is as healthy as the women that are a part of it. And we need you. You are valuable. Your voice matters. And we need you um, as a church. And so please sign up for that. Be a part of that. Um, walk alongside other women that are in the same stage of life as you. And we would love to just blow wind in your sails and watch you grow and lead other people to do the same. And so please, women in the room, come be a part of what we're doing. Uh, we need you. Um, next is uh, college ministry. Any college students in here? I got a couple back. Um, classes start the 23rd. Hey, college students, first service back is the 22nd. So that's next Sunday. Um, if you're a parent of a college student, tell your kids. Um, have them invite friends. Our college team is incredible. They do such a good job shepherding and pastoring and counseling so many college students through such a crucial time in their life. So please, next Sunday, if you're a college student, come on back uh, for that uh, service. Lastly, um, the young adults in the room, 20s and 30s, uh, this Tuesday we have our next gathering um, meeting. And so we're, we're going to meet outside. We're going to have some, some yard games set up. And the whole point of the night is to meet and connect with other people in the same stage of life. And so if you're in that stage of life, please join us. Come be a part of that this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We'll have some, some ice cream there for you from Burton's, and we'd love to connect with you. Well, like I said, the fall is a crazy time, and when there's a lot going on, we need a lot of people. We need a lot of help. And so, Scott, I want to invite you up here. Uh, Scott has just joined our staff, and Scott's going to make you aware of a couple opportunities that we need serving. Yeah, good morning. Uh, like David said, I'm Scott, and I am the new Connections Coordinator here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and I am excited to share about some serving opportunities that we have here on Sunday morning. And before I do that, I want to paint a picture of what we, our desire is that just church body would look like. I want you to think of a time when you've needed to go to Walmart or Target or Harps uh, to look for an item. This item, however, you've never gotten before. You need it for a new baking recipe. And so you go to the store, you look up and down the aisles looking for this item, and you can't find it. And so you try to find someone in order to help you find that item. However, you cannot find anyone to help you. And so you leave the store disappointed and without that item. And so our desire here at Fellowship is to not have that happen. Our desire is that when you walk in those doors, you're greeted and welcomed. And there is a person there able to answer any question that you may have. And if you are greeting or welcoming and you don't know the answer to their question, I'm sure you can find someone to point them to or point them to the community booth because I'm sure they'll be able to answer your questions, whether that be about where's the kids' ministry or where do I get signed up for a community group or where's the restroom. There, we, our desire is that we have people serving all the way from the parking lot to the prayer room. And so whether you're new with, here with us today or if you've been going here a while, our desire is that you would come and serve alongside with us. And so if you're interested in serving, like I said, all the way from the parking lot to the prayer room, there's a QR code up on the screen that you can use to fill out a form, um, and we'll get in touch with you this week. Or I also do have sign-up sheets out on the information desk and the community booth if you want to sign up there as well. And so come invite, or I'd invite you to come serve with us and join us in welcoming and greeting people to Fellowship Fayetteville. So with that being said, let me pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time of gathering. God, we thank you for drawing us together um, to worship and serve you. God, I pray as we hear from your word this morning that you would open our ears and enlighten our hearts to hear and grow and worship you. So God, we thank you for who you are and for giving us your word that encourages us and helps us serve you more. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's continue to worship. Like Dave said, it's awesome to hear your voices this morning. So let's sing out. Sing praises to the King. Yeah, I search the world. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade. Back together. 
Y'all can have a seat. Hey, as we've declared these incredible truths this morning about who Jesus is, about he's the living hope, he's the hope of the world, I just felt in my spirit this collision between these incredible truths and what I see on the nightly news. And I thought the response for us as the body of Christ is to invite the Lord into those places of brokenness. If you've watched the news, you know, hurricane in Haiti, humanitarian disaster in Afghanistan, fires in the east, COVID in the south. Let's just take a moment as the body before we begin our time of teaching and engaging God's word together to just invite God into the brokenness that we see all around us. Father, thank you for these truths of scripture. Thank you that you are our living hope. And Lord, we turn on our TV and we see pain and suffering. We see people dying and we know you are the only answer. And so Lord, I pray in all those places where people are hurting, where people are afraid, where resources are scarce, where people are sick, Lord, meet them in those places. Lord, we lift them up to you. Those are people made in your image, Lord, and I know your heart breaks as ours does when we see these images. And so, Father, I pray, be glorified. Bring healing, bring restoration in the nations and right here at home. And I ask for this in faith because I pray for it in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ. Hey, let's watch this together. We were not designed to be alone. God's plan for his people has always been that we would live our lives in relationship with each other. When we put Jesus at the center of those relationships, we have Christ-centered community. After a difficult season of isolation and loss, we are calling God's people to once again gather, both in worship and in Christ-centered community. We believe that God is calling us to bring the presence of Christ to homes and neighborhoods all over Fayetteville and beyond. We want to invite you to join us right where you live. Your street, your home, your apartment building, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, your parish. Find out who else in your area is gathering to belong, grow, and serve in the name of Jesus by visiting us at the community booth or online at fellowshipfayetteville.org forward slash community. Excited. I wake up every day thinking about that. How can we take the presence of Christ to every neighborhood in Fayetteville and beyond? Well, my name is Michael, and as you can tell, I'm on the community team, and so I love this stuff. I love that vision. I love talking about our mission and vision. I love being gathered with y'all here today. Those of you joining us online, glad to have you along as well. I'm excited for what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes together, but before we just jump into our mission and vision, I want us to have a little, a little time of interaction here, and so I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to go with me. I'm going to need to hear back from you now. Dave had us all singing together, so I need you to play along with me here. We're gonna have us another game show. Remember a few weeks ago when Tad and Aaron were up here and we did Family Feud because it was a family service? Family Feud's okay, I guess, but that's not my speed. What I like is Jeopardy. I've had friends on Jeopardy. I've had extended family members. A guy I went to seminary with was on Jeopardy. I watch Jeopardy. Uh, if you watch Jeopardy, you know Matt Amodio's on a pretty impressive run right now. We'll see what's gonna happen. We're gonna play a little Jeopardy this morning and here's our category. All-time great. You Jeopardy watchers. If great's in quotation mark, what does that mean? It's in the answer. Great is gonna be in the answer. All right, here we go. Here's your first clue. Wait till I finish reading it before you answer. This great military leader conquered Persia in 330 BC. What's the correct question? Who is Alexander the Great? You guys are on it. I love it. Alexander the Great. I did a little reading about this guy. He actually was pretty great. Every military campaign that he led they won. Alexander the Great, never lost, never lost. All right, here's your next clue. You ready? Superior, Huron, Michigan, Erie, and Ontario. Yo, you guys are killing it. What are the Great Lakes? If you've seen one of these, they are great. You can't see the other side. It looks like an ocean, the Great Lakes. All right, here's another one for you. This one's a little bit harder, I think, maybe. 1925 novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald. 
What is the great Gatsby? Yeah, the harder question would have been, what's another book written by F. Scott Fitzgerald? But we all remember the great Gatsby, right? We probably all read it in high school. All right, here's our last one. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. What is the great commission? And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning as we continue our series on our mission and vision, the Great Commission. So go ahead and turn there with me if you would. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 28. We're gonna pick it up in verse 16. Matthew's the first gospel, so just find the New Testament in your Bible, flip to the end of that first book, you're gonna find Matthew chapter 28. As you're turning there, I just wanna remind us where we've been over the first couple of weeks of this mission vision series we're doing. Clark kicked us off a couple of weeks ago talking about our purpose. And our purpose is to glorify God. Mickey, our directional leader, was talking about this recently, and he said, before we had a well-formed mission and vision statement, we knew our purpose. From the very beginning, Fellowship's purpose has been to glorify God. Not only is it our church's purpose, it's each one of us as an individual. It's our purpose because it's the reason that we were created, to give God glory. Then last week, Garland came and he talked to us about our message And our message is the gospel. That word gospel, it means good news. And Garland shared with us last week that the gospel is the good news that Jesus is Israel's Messiah and the world's true king. That King Jesus offers us salvation, that by his death, burial, and resurrection, we can be reconciled to God and spend eternity with him. And so we bow the knee to Jesus as king. So that's our purpose And our message this morning, we're gonna talk about our method. Our method is the Great Commission. That's how fellowship is trying to accomplish our purpose to glorify God by sharing the message, the gospel, is by obeying the Great Commission. And so let's do what we do at fellowship. Every week, what we do is we open the Bible and we start with the text and we let the text tell us where we're going. So let's turn there. Matthew chapter 28, I'm gonna start reading in verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Man, there's a lot in there. And in a room like this, and extending out to those who are watching online, I know there's two extremes on the responses to this. Some are seeing this for the first time and saying, man, that's a lot in there. I don't know what to do with all that. And others have seen this so many times that you're thinking, What could I possibly learn? And so I wanna say to both of those extremes and then everyone in the middle, somewhere on that spectrum, stick with me. Let's see what the Holy Spirit will show us together and as individuals as we just work our way through this text together. We're gonna start in the first verse there, verse 16. Did you notice the place? Matthew starts by describing the place. He said, in Galilee to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. Now, first of all, the idea of a mountain, all through the Bible, but especially in Matthew, a mountain is a place where significant encounters with God occur. The transfiguration happened on a mountain. The Sermon on the Mount, obviously, given on a mountain. Now here, once again, Jesus says, go to this mountain, and it's in Galilee, where it all started, where Jesus' ministry began. But most importantly is that last phrase, It was the place to which Jesus had directed them. See, when it comes to the Great Commission, the place matters. The place matters to God. He told the disciples to go to this place. Now, where does Jesus want you? He wants you right where he's already got you. Acts 17, 26 tells us that God determines the times and places where we live. That's why we can say, as in that video, that your town, your subdivision, your neighborhood, your apartment building, your dorm, your fraternity house, your sorority house, 
your house. You're not there by accident. God has you there for a purpose. Because when it comes to the Great Commission, place matters. Then the next verse, verse 17, it says, they saw Jesus and they worshiped him. Uh, When you see Jesus, there's only one response. It's worship. We've said for a long time around here that a simple definition of worship is seeing God for who he really is and then giving an appropriate response. That's why last week, in light of the truth of the gospel message, Garland asked us to literally bow a knee to King Jesus. It was a response of worship. So they saw Jesus, and today we still see Jesus. We see him through his word as we study the Bible. We see him in his church as people are the hands and feet of Jesus as we serve each other and those outside. We see him through the power of his Holy Spirit as he opens our eyes to learn new things about him and encounter him in new ways. And when we see Jesus, our response is worship. And if we skip this, if we make the Great Commission one more thing on our to-do list, one more thing we're gonna power through, if we think to ourselves, I can do this Great Commission thing, I know how to work harder, I know how to work smarter, I'm a multitasker, look at all these other things I accomplish in my life, And we try to do this without worship, without beginning with the Lord. You know what we're going to end up with? Nothing. It's his mission. By his grace, he's allowing us to be a part of it. And so if we leave him out, we're not going to get anything. We're destined to fail. And so we begin by bowing to King Jesus in adoration and worship. Okay, now before I press on into the passage and and talk more about our mission together, I wanna take a second and look at that last word. Some doubted. You know who struggles with doubt? Everybody. Everybody has times that they doubt. No matter how much of a facade somebody may put up that they're certain about everything all the time, y'all all know that person, Everyone has doubts. And so the church has got to be a place where we can bring those doubts out and and talk about them. The church shouldn't be a place that people are afraid to talk about their doubts. But at the same time, we don't want to celebrate doubt. We don't want to elevate it as if it's a virtue. I've said for years, and I stole this from Rick Warren, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. What that means is the more we lean into what we know is true, the more we study God's word, the more we gather together, the more we're in Christ-centered community talking with other believers, the more we serve Jesus, the smaller and smaller and smaller our doubts will become until they almost disappear. I also want us to notice how Jesus responds to the doubts here. Here's the risen Christ in the flesh standing on this mountaintop. And there are some people there who are like, I don't know about that. How does Jesus respond? He just goes on. He just presses on. You know why? Because doubts will not derail the mission of God. And so when people have doubts, let's engage them. Let's talk about it. Let's help them deal with it. But let's let not, not let it sidetrack us from our mission, which is the Great Commission. Jesus goes on in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. That word authority. What do you think about when you hear that word? Who has authority in our culture? Well, school starts tomorrow. Teachers have authority, right? In their classroom, they get to set the rules. They get to make the rules and they decide what happens to you if you break the rules. They have authority. Parents, you have authority in your home. You have the right to say how we're going to do things. Law enforcement officers have authority. They can pull you over. I can't. Lucky for y'all, I've seen how some of y'all drive. (laughs) Jesus says he has all authority. It's a reference back to Daniel 7, 13, and 14, where Daniel has a vision of the Messiah. He calls him one like a son of man, which, by the way, was Jesus' favorite title for himself. 
And in this vision, Daniel says, he's given all dominion. That means all authority. You know what this is? This is kingship language. When Jesus says, I have all authority on heaven and earth, that's a figure of speech that means everywhere. Jesus' power and authority is limitless. And with that in mind, look at the second word of verse 19. Therefore, Jesus says, in view of the fact that I am the king, that all power and all authority everywhere has been given to me, here's what you're to do. Make disciples. That is the command of the Great Commission. Make disciples. It's the only command. It's the only imperative in this passage. Now, some of you grammarians are looking at it and saying, no, there's go, there's baptize, there's teach. In the Greek, none of those have the force of a command. None of those are imperatives in Greek. They all modify make disciples. Jesus wanted to make it crystal clear what the main thing was, and the main thing is to make disciples. Now, those other words, they help us understand make disciples. Let's just look at them briefly one by one. The first one is go. Go means get started, take action, take initiative. A couple of weeks ago, many of you, like my wife Lee and I, we were glued to the TV watching the Olympics every night. What happens when those runners get in the starting blocks and they fire that pistol? Go. They shoot out of there. They're not thinking about it anymore. They're not visualizing it anymore. They are on the move. I heard an evangelist a few years ago. He said, a lot of Christians live their Christian life like bullfrogs. They sit on a lily pad and they hope a fly will come by and then they'll try to zap it. That's not what Jesus is telling us to do. He doesn't say, wait for your next door neighbor to come over and ring your doorbell and say, what must I do to be saved? No, we have to go, go to make disciples. Then he says, baptize them. Now, what does that mean? In the next service, our 1030 service, we've got a sweet young lady. I'm gonna have the privilege of baptizing right over here. Why do we do that? What will we be communicating? Well, there's two big things. The first is relationship. The first thing baptism communicates is her relationship to Jesus. Paul says when you're baptized and you go under that water, you are so closely associated with Jesus that you have died with him. You're buried with him. And then you're raised to a new life in Christ. So baptism's about the relationship with Jesus, but it's also about the relationship with her church family, right? All of us. Baptism is about someone becoming part of the King Jesus' family of faith, our community of faith. So first, it's about relationship. Second, it's about lordship. I'm gonna stand right there and ask her, are you planning to follow Jesus all the days of your life? She's making a public statement that, yes, Jesus is my king, and I'm gonna orient my life to him. And then lastly, it says, teach. Instruct them. Teach them everything Jesus said. In the context of discipleship, this doesn't just mean read the Bible together, although that's important and we love that. It means model it. What does a Jesus-shaped life look like? If you're making a disciple, you show them. This is how I follow Christ in parenting. This is how I follow Christ in how I relate to my neighbors. This is how I live a Jesus-shaped life in the context of the marketplace and work. When you put those things together, lordship and relationship and baptism, intentionality and evangelism and discipleship, and then modeling a Jesus-shaped life, you're well on your way to making a disciple because a disciple is a devoted follower of Jesus as king committed to a Jesus-shaped life. And that includes, of course, making disciples. So every one of us who's a follower of Jesus, we should be trying to make more of what we are, followers of Jesus. But the Great Commission doesn't end with a command. It ends with a promise. Jesus says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, I don't know about y'all, I don't use the word behold much. If I say behold, it's probably like, hey, don't be holding that with one hand, you might drop it. And as I've told y'all before, my English ain't great, but I'm pretty good at Arkansas. 
And in Arkansas, we would say, looky here. Or maybe even, looky here now. What does that mean? It means, hey, focus. I'm telling you something important. Jesus says, looky here now. I'm with you. I'm with you. What a promise. And then he says always. And in the Greek, it means all of all of the days. In other words, in Arkansas, all day, every day. So in the Arkansas translation, Jesus says, look here now, I'm fixing to be with you all day, every day. Until the end of the age. That tells me there's a plan, right? We're not on a hamster wheel where this thing's just gonna go on and on forever. This time we're living in, we call it the church age. It's got a use-by date. And when the end of the age comes, you know what we can't do anymore? Share Christ and make disciples. That's why we have to do it now. And so we started off talking about greats. Great general, great lakes, great novel. Is the Great Commission great? Look at the scope of it. He says, all authority, all nations, teaching them everything, and I'll be with you always. The scope is universal. It is great because it is the most important mandate in the history of man. Make disciples. At Fellowship, we say it really simply. King Jesus is with us all the time as we make disciples everywhere. There's no time he's not with us and there's no place that we're not called to make disciples here and around the world. To boil it down and make it even more simple, we make disciples together. That is our method. Now, I know some of you were thinking, I'd love to get in on that, but I have no idea where to even start. I would love to be part of a disciple-making movement, but I don't know what to do next. Well, have I got news for you. You're actually the first to officially hear about this because registration opened this morning. Discover Discipleship. It's gonna be a four-week workshop in October in the classroom, and what we're gonna do is give you nuts and bolts, practical how-tos, so you can sit across the table from a man or a woman and disciple them. Grab your phone, hit that QR code. You can find it on the website if you wanna do it later. We would love to show you how you can be part of what God's doing because our method is the Great Commission and our plan is you. You're our plan. And the primary tool we're gonna ask you to use is your living room. Welcome to my fake living room I've set up on the stage. Margo, Garland, come on up here. I've asked Margo and Garland, a couple of my teammates on the community team, to join me in our pretend living room so we can talk to you about what could happen in your living room. Welcome, Margo. Did I decorate the place to your satisfaction? <laughs> Do I not get a welcome, Michael? Garland, what are you doing here? I'm glad to be here in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, Margo, I want to start with you. You've been in community. You've led community. You've placed people in community. You serve on the community team. Where have you seen the power of community? So a really recent example is this summer, we had a women's Bible study here at the church. But one of our leaders said, for whatever reason, hey, I don't want to do it in the evening. What if I just had a study in my home in the morning, in my backyard? And we were like, sure, that's great. And she said, I have a couple of friends that I know that want to come and you can send me people to. So she opened her backyard and they studied the word together and they just recently finished. And I just talked to a couple of those ladies not long ago, and they said, oh, my goodness, we got together. We studied the characteristics of Jesus. We prayed for each other. We prayed for each other's adult children, and it was one of the best small groups I've ever been in. So, I mean, what a great example of opening your home, opening your backyard to your neighbors and your friends. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's a phenomenal picture of what we want to do as, uh, as our church. What we want to do is we want to take 
responsibility, personal urgency to go and look around us in our neighborhoods, at the gym, uh, in your workplace, but especially in your neighborhood, uh, on your street, in your house. Uh, Who's around you? Uh, Who do you drive by uh, when you go to here? Or who have you been driving by when you go to your community group? We want to take ownership right where we're at in our neighborhood to look around us and start being the hands and feet of Jesus right there. Yeah, Garland, I love that. That idea of the presence of Christ in every neighborhood, that is so compelling for me. That's driving my life. That's my reason for the way we do ministry. And so, Garland, talk to us a little bit about, we have this idea we're calling parishes. Tell us a little bit about how the parish idea fits into this presence of Christ in every neighborhood. Yeah, you heard in the video, and some of you have heard this word kind of floated around. So the first question is, what is a parish? And if you think about uh, what, what the parish concept is, it's a local expression of a church in a particular neighborhood or location. And that's exactly what we wanna do here. This is a, a large room here on Highway 112, but we wanna take the presence of Christ, the presence of the hands and feet of Jesus into your neighborhood. And what a parish is, what a parish will be, is we wanna gather not just individuals in that neighborhood, but we wanna gather small groups, community groups, together in a neighborhood space so that we might be able to think creatively what would it look like to to bring the blessing of Jesus into our neighborhood, to think creatively about how can we bless not just our neighbors, but the elementary school that your neighborhood is is close to, uh, the people who come in and out of your neighborhood, people that might find themselves uh, struggling financially in your neighborhood, people that would never step foot maybe into this building, but they live three doors down from you. And we wanna do that together. That's the whole point of the parish is we wanna gather small groups together in neighborhoods to be the hands and feet of Jesus there, to bring the blessing of the gospel, the announcement of the gospel right where you are. And so we're really excited to launch this parish idea. And if you're sitting here right now going, I'm a little nervous about that, I don't know about that, but I'm interested in that, we would love for you to come talk to us right out there at the booth. Uh, Text me, email one of us, text one of us. We would love to talk more about what this looks like as we roll into small groups this fall. Yeah, that's a good explanation, Garland. One of the things I'm excited about is this is not just the community team that's moving to this model. So right now, our Fayette Kids team, our FSM student team, uh, our college team, they're all thinking and planning and praying. How could our ministry impact neighborhoods, parishes with the gospel? It's really exciting when we think about the potential there to love and share Christ and serve in our neighborhoods uh, by joining the power of our groups and then our different ministries together. So Margo, we're gonna have different kinds of groups for different kinds of people in these parishes. What are some of the kinds of groups that people here who might be thinking about where they would engage with community, what are gonna be some of their options? Oh my goodness, there are so, so many. Well, like you said, we have the junior high and high school cell groups. We have college small groups. We have young adult small groups. If you're thinking about getting engaged or getting married, we have something called Merge, which is another small group. We have women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies and community groups, of course. And if you're a little bit more mature, 55 and above, we have something that's called Likewise. So everything you can think of across the board. So whoever you are, we can help you find your place in Christ-centered community. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach and help you make an impact right where you live for the gospel. All right, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand, and I'm gonna invite you guys to go to the booth so you can beat the rush. So if you wanna talk to Garland or Margot, you can head back to the booth right after the service. But right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone. Everybody, I want you to do one of two things. If you're new, or if you wanna learn more about fellowship, hit that Discover Fellowship QR code. Get signed up. It'll start September 12th. If you don't know where you're going to be in community, you want us to help you find something, hit that other QR code, sign up for a community group. If you know where you're going to be in community, I want you to take that phone out right now. If you're a leader, text your co-leader. If you're not a leader, text your leader and say, let's do this. We're ready. I want everybody right now to be making a plan for where you're going to plug in to Christ-centered community. I'm gonna pray for us, and then as you leave, if you'd like to come by the booth, 
Uh, we'd love to visit with you there. Our prayer room's open as well. If you'd like to pray with somebody, if you'd like to take communion, that's through these doors to your right. I'm gonna pray for us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be part of the single greatest thing in human history, which is you calling yourself for yourself a people. And we can be part of that. We can be part of being agents of reconciliation, living as ambassadors in these little outposts in our homes, our neighborhoods, on our campus, wherever you have us. So Lord, give us the strength to go make disciples. And we're gonna give you all the credit because only you deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you all. We'll see you next time.